the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. Uncertainty would be the best description I could offer to describe my thoughts on the coming 12 months. Now, I realise that's less than helpful, but to be fair, I'm not alone in having a crystal ball that is currently a little foggy. Many of our regular listeners will have clocked that we've been polling the Lois List readership and our various social media channels over the last few weeks to gauge sentiment out there in the market. Uh, it's a market that is currently being battered by some fairly fearsome economic headwinds, so we weren't expecting much. And unsurprisingly, the responses confirmed that uncertainty pervades much of the major decisions yet to be made across this industry. However, the responses, which were discussed at length by an expert panel of industry leaders during our recent Outlook 2020 forum held in London on December the 10th, uh, they do offer at least some much-needed insights on current thinking in the industry. So for this week's podcast, I wanted to offer you a few of the most insightful thoughts discussed at our London forum. Uh, but if you want to hear the whole thing, you can as a Loisdis subscriber over on loisdis.com. Anyone listening without access to Lloyd's List, take a trial now and treat yourself for Christmas to a subscription. For those of you not familiar with the Lloyd's List annual Outlook Forum, this is our annual session where we gather the most erudite and informed panel of industry leaders we can lay our hands on and ask them a few key questions about the dynamic forces shaping shipping. Simple, really. But, uh, of course, what makes this gathering a little different to the usual panel debates out there is that we've been busy polling you on your thoughts on everything from AI to zero-carbon fuels. The results of these questions form the backbone of the discussions at our forum, with our panel of experts offering the analysis and context. Joining me on the panel this year, I had Katharina Stanzel, Managing Director of Intertanko, Michael Parker, Chairman of Cities Shipping and Logistics Division, Knut Orbert Nielsen, Chief Executive Officer of DNVGL Maritime, Dr. Graham Henderson, Vice President of Shipping and Maritime at Shell International Trading and Shipping, and Peter Sand, the Chief Shipping Analyst at BIMCO. So I'm going to start you off with the discussion around the first question. What is the best investment opportunity for the shipping industry in 2020? We join Poseidon Principles architect Michael Parker, who is explaining why he thought the answer to that question was mergers and acquisitions. I put mergers and acquisitions, and for two reasons. One is, as, as everyone has said in our election, as everyone says when given the opportunity, climate change is the biggest issue facing the world, and we have to address it quickly. Now, what Christopher just showed shows that even addressing it quickly, there's still going to be a large part of our economy that is going to be carbon-based, and I think that's the reality and the reality is something that environmentalists need to accept, but that doesn't mean the sort of pressure won't be there. So with something like the Getting to Zero Coalition, which has an ambition of putting a zero emission large vessel on the water by 2030, that means things have to happen very rapidly. And for that to happen rapidly requires a lot of capital, it requires a lot of government support and it requires therefore in my view a lot of companies that want to focus on this to really look at how bringing that together, bringing that um, capital together in the form of bigger companies able to face those challenges. You've seen that in the tech world, no reason for it not to happen in the industrial world and I think there'll be therefore a lot of focus in order to address the challenges as rapidly as possible. I think there needs to be a lot of consolidation, not just in shipping, frankly, but also in other sectors 
to help this happen. Having dealt with the thin layer of opportunities open to shipping, we then quickly and somewhat inevitably turned our collective attention to risk. The question we put out was, what do you see as the greatest threat to the shipping industry over the next five years? The fact that oversupply of vessels was almost topping our poll was almost inevitable. The basic balance of supply and demand has always been a persistent issue for the industry, but I think it's fair to say that the past decade has seen some debilitating spikes that have clearly left it front and centre in our audience's list of concerns. But it was the timelier theme of sanctions and regulatory risk that bubbled up to the top of the worry pile this year amid an increasingly complex landscape of political risk for shipping. The actions of the US Treasury's infamous OFAC officials, who have been particularly vociferous in targeting Iran and Venezuela this year, has had a very direct impact on the tanker trades and left lawyers and insurers moving to protect assets against increasing uncertainty when it comes to their clients. Speaking at the Outlook Forum, Intertanko Managing Director Kathy Stanzel agreed with the poll's results and explains here why she voted for sanctions as the greatest threat on her list this year. It is a huge risk, but it's a huge risk because of the complexity that you've already mentioned. The issue is that it's going to get politically so complex that decisions are made that are not actually logically foreseeable. You, you can't predict what's going to happen. Somebody has a knee jerk because, I don't know, somebody tweeted something, let's just say, and something happens and <coughs> nobody can predict that. So what we're into is really a realm of um, Darwinian evolution where ultimately it's not the strongest that survive, it's those that happen to be in an environment that they can survive in at the time. You can't predict that, you can't business plan for it, and that's the difficulty, that's why it's so dangerous, I think. Mm. So yeah, it is, it's a huge concern, but I think the, and, and I would actu actually um, join the audience in, in selecting that part. For me, I read the question and the, the optional answer slightly differently, because to me, regulatory risk involves the complexity of a situation that the regulator can't assess properly, where they're making some kind of crazy decision about what regulation they're pushing us into without looking at the bigger picture because they don't understand how things are linked. And I think that is, for shipping in particular, um, as, a, as a global supply chain, mm. that is one of our biggest challenges. Next on our list of big questions was perhaps the biggest question of them all. What is the greatest challenge to the future efficiency of operations in shipping? In the context of the 2020 sulphur cap and a pretty frenetic 12 months of industry debate uh, around the 2050 decarbonisation targets set, of course, by the IMO last year, it is unsurprising that fuel uncertainty topped our poll this year. The supply chain digitalisation challenges that have been so visible in the container line strategy this year and what I think is the largely overlooked change management and personnel issues required to deal with a new generation of technology and hardware, they of course feature in our respondents' thinking. But fuel choice, that's the big one. What's more, I think it's likely to be featuring uh, at the top of these annual polls for several years yet to come, because as our discussion at the forum confirmed, there is no silver bullet on the horizon. Even the promise of some silver buckshot is looking pretty elusive right now for 2020. Speaking at the forum, Shell's Graham Henderson explained why. I don't think that the fuel choice of the future has been made yet. I think there's a long way to go on this. And the more that I look at these fuels, the more that my technology team in Shell looks at these, um, the more that we see challenges. Challenges in the production of, of these fuels, uh, 
bearing in mind that most of them are made from natural gas with a carbon capture scheme of some description. Um, the way uh, some of the challenges of the fuels, things like hydrogen, which um, liquefies at minus 253 degrees Celsius. I used to think LNG was, a, was cold at minus 162, but minus 253 brings in a whole host of issues. We cannot use the same inerting systems as we do with LNG. The materials uh, crack that we use. We need new materials, and all of these fuels actually, uh, at the moment, the cost of these fuels are two to three times uh, the, the current, if you take uh, LNG, for example. So there are issues with all of these fuels. They will require technology. They will require a lot of, a lot of studying. Uh, and we're undertaking that studying with, with others. Um, but I think there's three aspects um, to, to this um, in terms of fuel choice. One is, as I say, the technology. Secondly, policy. <coughs> policy is going to be very, very important. Policy in terms of governments around the world working together, uh, coming forward with policies which address some of the requirements around, uh, around getting uh, research and development on, on the road. Um, getting, uh, getting a, a level playing field, shall I say, to allow the decarbonisation to take place. But the third very, very important point is around collaboration. It's going to need collaboration at a scale which we have never, ever seen in this industry. And it's not just collaboration across shipping, across all of the ship owners, the, the, the ship manufa uh, uh, engine manufacturers, equipment manufacturers, the ship builders, the classification societies, is going to need collaboration also outside with the other industries too. Because we may not have the first choice when it comes to which fuel. Um, it could be that if you take even more difficult to decarbonise industries, such as air airline industry, they may have the first choice of the fuel and we may have to have a second or even a third choice of the fuel. So we're going to need collaboration, as I say, on a scale, collaboration across the whole of, uh, of, of the industries, not just shipping. So it's technology with policy, with collaboration. The final highlight I wanted to bring you in this podcast was some of the responses to the question that inevitably follows from what Graham was just talking about. What fuel technology offers the best chance of achieving zero carbon emissions in shipping by 2050? Well, it seems hydrogen is by far the most popular response to that question, which I frankly think is a little surprising. Given a multiple choice, it is perhaps a, an attractive one, but the reality is that hydrogen is still years off being a viable choice, even in basic engineering terms. But the bigger block to its uptake is going to be the question of the energy supply chain itself. Without some rapid steps towards zero-emission power generation on land, the production of hydrogen as a potential zero-emission fuel is frankly dead in the water. Our panel agreed that collaboration across industries and governments would ultimately be required for any of the choices to be viable. But they also pointed out that a big issue for shipping will be how it competes with other sectors for these zero-emission fuels. Cathy Stanzel explains her thinking here. Currently, there is no regulation existing to put hydrogen on ships either as a fuel or as a cargo because of what Graham's already highlighted. And I think it's, it's a shell ship that is going to sea trials this month 
where we, for the first time, tried to have hydrogen um, on a vessel, in a tank, that could be used for fueling that vessel. And I know that the engineers had, I mean, fun and games is, I think, one way of describing it, where uh, piping it through initially the same pipes as LNG, for example, saying, well, surely we can use gas with gas, and liquid oxygen forming out of the air around it, uh, which, of course, is incredibly dangerous and not recommended. So everything's double insulated, as, as Graham described. It's um, Operationally, it's an engineer's dream. It's fantastic amount of challenges. For me, it's more, yes, it's the regulatory aspect, because we know how long it takes to get things through IMO, um, focusing on safety, making sure that all the member states of the United Nations are aligned. So what we need is actually the political will to make this happen. I also don't think that there's going to be a single solution in terms of fuels. Um, there will probably continue to be uh, horses for courses, as we say. So batteries and, and high, uh, fuel cells will be the answer for maybe the ferry sectors or the short sea shipping sectors, whereas the blue water tonnage will be looking at something else. And I agree with Knut. Um, LNG right now, if we had a generation of LNG vessels looking at the current design lives as well, that's probably going to get us a lot closer to where we need to be. Ultimately, LNG is methane to a large extent, and methane is a very potent climate change gas. Um, so we, we probably don't want to live with that longer term, especially knowing that our supply chains in shipping, I mean, I, I've, never, I've never flown over a port and not seen a little bit of diesel somewhere on the water. You know, you see the sheen everywhere. And that's, that might be the fishing fleet. It might not be commercial shipping. But the supply chain, the bunkering supply chain, there will be leaks. So LNG as a potent greenhouse gas is not the answer if we're going to have um, a global a global shipping um, system run on it, just on that. But it is certainly something that can help us getting a part way there. And I, I fully agree with, we need to do something now. And there's no, there's no excuse to, to sit back, relax, and go, oh, well, we don't have the perfect solution yet. We won't have a perfect solution. And that's it for this week. If you want to hear the discussion in full, it will be available on noiselist.com. But if you're looking for a more detailed account of the forces shaping shipping over the next 12 months, can I recommend some festive reading for you? Start with our Top 100 Most Influential People in Shipping report, just out on Friday. Yes, it is a subjective take on the personalities and egos that feature in the Lois List headlines, but taken as a whole, I stand by the claim that this represents one of the best summaries of the forces and dynamics shaping our market that you can get anywhere in the industry. So read that, and then uh, get ready for the big one. Uh, the annual Lloyd's List Outlook will be available before Christmas, and we'll cover all of the usual data-led analysis on a sector-by-sector -sector basis that you have come to expect from this end-of-year bonanza. The podcast will be taking a break over the festive season, and while I might try to get a few special editions out, uh, this could be the last opportunity I get to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a prosperous 2020. Um, thank you for everybody who's been uh, sticking with this podcast for the past year. I know there's a good few of you out there who listen each week, and I am extremely grateful for your continuing support. But for now, happy Christmas. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>